Sports are back, folks. We got the NBA bubble going on. We got the WNBA wobble going on. And I really like just saying wobble. NHL is starting up. We have baseball going. We got MLS soccer. I mean, we got everything going on. Don't miss out on exclusive coverage from The Athletic. This is an unprecedented sports season. And guess what, folks? You can save 40% off. Again, don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. I mean, think about it this way. We had a reporter find out how good the wings were at Magic City. You're not getting that anywhere else, folks. And if you go to theathletic.com slash Brody and the Beard, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. That's 40% off, folks. Really can't get a better offer than that. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss the breaking stories on your favorite team. So go to theathletic.com slash Brody and the Beard for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. On today's episode of Brody and the Beard, Kelly and I are going to talk about the NBA being back, baby. We're going to talk about the Rockets, what they look like on offense and defense, and the road ahead. If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism. Put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream, the MVPs must be his children. They won 22 games in a row, that's a rhythm. Triple-double rust, man, I need you to acknowledge. He don't do this for the optics, man, he do this for the Rockets. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel, and with me, as always, is the athletic beat writer for the Houston Rockets, Kelly Eco. Kelly, how you doing? What's up? Oh, man. Basketball back. Basketball is back, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm in my happy place. I've also not been exercising much because basketball is on all day, and I've gained a few pounds. I'm not too happy about that. I, I see you start posting your uh, your runs, as have I. Well, it's, I just haven't had time. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, there's, just I gotta find. Thi- there's just more important things in the world than running three miles right now. <laughs> you know, I gotta. First off, I run six. Don't be a jerk. And, oh, <laughs> and, 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 and I just don't have time because every every time I wake up, get, get some work done, or whatever, right when I'm about to go for a run, I'm like, oh, a game's starting. I gotta go lock in. So, but that's a good thing. We got games back. It's been phenomenal. I wanna ask you, Kelly, just off the bat. What have you enjoyed about watching the games? Not, I don't want to get into the, the plays on the court and all that yet, but just the, the visual aesthetics, everything, you know, the virtual fans, all that stuff. What have you enjoyed? What did you like? What didn't you like so far? Um, I think I was a bit conditioned to it, having, you know, watched the Premier League and how they play without fans. But my favorite part of these games has been whenever somebody famous is on the, the virtual seat and they can hear themselves being talked about. And it's like a late reaction because there's lag and they have to look up and wave or smile or something like Paul Pierce or Kemba Walker's mom. Just people like that. And it's been funny to see them, their live reactions. But apart from that, I haven't been really too impressed with the uh, enhanced audio we were promised. I thought we were going to get some some nice color. Although I did see somebody's tweet. If you watch the game at some backboard angle, it's it, and it's easy to hear them like talk without all the commentary and stuff like that. So I might try that out. Yeah, for the next ESPN I, game. I, I heard that too. Like if you watch, I think it's like a above the basket camera or something. Yeah, there you go. Or, or there's that feed. Camera. Like you can you can actually hear the the players a right. little bit more, which is going to be pretty good. I'm with you. I got to check it out. But overall, I thought they've nailed it. You know, right. in terms of yeah, I think they did the the yeah. the uh aesthetics how it looks how it feels uh these games i mean we've had four days of great basketball we're, we're recording a monday morning 
in, in the games across the board have been pretty good the intensity's been great the benches have been pretty awesome like i've seen that stuff uh you know uh robin lopez running from the corner all the way to <laughs> <laughs> almost half court uh, on after a uh, brook lopez makes a shot like there's been that yep. stuff and, and and fun environment i thought the nba nailed it with the the video pregame you know for social yes. justice yes. i thought those were really incredibly powerful i thought those were yeah. powerful uh the kneeling's been strong you know and i think there's the the discussion one thing i thought that was kind of cool kelly was i forget what game it was but a player had written on his shoes uh brianna taylor's name and you know that actually led to the broadcast kind of spending a minute just talking about it but macklemore yeah yeah, yeah and, he, he had on his shoe yeah and i think you know and i think that's been something i've heard on many other broadcasts where they'll they'll bring up certain social justice stuff and i think that's that's pretty cool in the sense of like hey it's still on the forefront and you know this is the players doing it this is the broadcast kind of talking about it a little bit so i think that was pretty cool overall i've i've been pretty happy i don't know how much virtual fans are are gonna be a thing uh in terms of uh swaying anything on the court but i like the the audio cues from like you know each home team has a different audio cue that they would normally run in their own home arena i thought that was pretty fun too let me ask you this question though, because like you said, they had Paul Pierce, they had you know for the Celtics, they had Jason Tatum's kid, they had Kemba Walker's mom. Who, I mean, forget about players, family. What Rockets greats do you want to see on the virtual fan? I, w- I want to see Dikembe Mutombo in the stands. I want to see Dikembe Mutombo. I want to see Luis Scola. I want to see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Bob Sura because actually. Jeff Van Gundy actually talked about Bob Sura uh, on the broadcast. You know, one of his former players. But yeah, I want to see some more Rockets names. I want to uh, see. Th- this is uh, gotta see the dream. I need to see Hakeem out there on, yeah, on, on, on on one of the virtual fans. Muchi Norris, you know, I gotta, um, I gotta see one of those guys. I want to. I want to see Clyde. I want to see Clyde Drexler there. Uh, I I, I kind of just want to start. Let's start kind of making it like like we would see them at you know. How court, does that process work though? How do, is there like an application process or something to get on the, or are they just sending out to random people? I don't know, man. I it, you know what this sounds like, Kelly. Sounds like a story idea for you. I don't know. I don't want to give give things <laughs> away for you. It might be a little bit of maybe I have to do some investigative work there, Kelly. Some, put on your some, little some digging. We might have to. Yeah, because how did how did Mark Jackson's well, she she works. She works for the Blazers. The team, I, the the team, I think has a say. I mean, the team, I think, runs it and decides who kind of does it and 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 who can be on and who 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 do they want, who don't they want? You know, obviously, season ticket holders are going to take priority. You know, you want to have some legends. I think that's just kind of a good mix. You know, maybe our maybe our friend Rico Rodriguez is going to be on. Oh, that might be a fun one. To be on friend, friend of the show, friend of the show. So you know, maybe yeah. we can see if we can get him on. Uh, and when I say we get him on, I mean I mean the Houston Rockets. I have no control of this whatsoever. <laughs> but Kelly, that's enough about the stuff happening around the court. Let's talk about what's going on on the court. Last show, we both predicted the Rockets would probably go one on one. We both didn't think they'd beat the Bucks, and uh, sure enough, uh, they went two and zero. Yeah. Um, what did you? What did you see in these two games? Let's just focus on the offense first. What did you see offensively in these first two games? Maybe you liked, didn't like, whatever. What did you see? The thing that I liked, I liked the ball movement. I will say that a good number of their looks came off of, you know, great ball movement, 
trying to keep the defense honest and pass up good looks for great looks. And this is something that we saw a bit in the scrimmage where we could see that Mike D'Antoni and the team had been trying to instill that in the offense going forward. I will say that there have been some moments where they kind of get back to their old ways, which is pretty bad. Ill-advised step backs or just, you know, the, the thing you hate the most, you know, the full court post up, dribbling <laughs> up and getting into the post. Um, but I think offensively, this is going to be a team that's going to score a lot of points. It's just going to be their efficiency. You know, like if you look at the Bucks game last night, they took an NBA record 61 threes. Um, <laughs> yes, that was uh, quite a lot. <laughs> a big part of that is out of obviously the way the Bucks defend, they pack the paint and they've kind of dare you to beat them from the outside. At, at one point of that game, you and I thought it was going to be in big trouble because Jeff Green and P.J. Tucker and those guys, they kept missing wide open corner threes, and you can't do that against an elite team in the playoffs. But uh, I think offensively overall, it's been okay. I, I think they could do better in terms of longer periods of, of efficiency. The way they've had to pull these, these two games out of the hat, I mean, uh, I think they'll take that. Yeah, I think offensively, it hasn't been what I think was advertised. I think like... You know, they ran a great play to start the game against the Bucks, And I, I tweeted it out if you want to go to my timeline. But it was a nice lob play using Je- uh, James Harden as a screener to get to get House open. And because he's such a good shooter, you know, the, the guy guarding Harden isn't going to want to help that much. So that opened the door for a great lob. Kelly, I felt like, and I'm probably wrong, but it just felt like that was the only called play the entire game. <laughs> No, I mean <laughs> it felt like it. it, it I mean, yeah. you know, I, I know they called other plays and things, but the 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 it, it just it really felt like their old ways. So that that whole game for the most part, um, and I don't know how much of that was the defense. You know, like you said, the way the Bucks play, they allow the most three point attempts. You know, of the league. So you know, the the shots were there and whatnot. But it was just one of those things where I just felt like I didn't see everything they talked about. There was more ball movement, but not I didn't see a lot of sets or any a lot a ton of wrinkles or anything like that as much. So I don't know um, where that is. Saw it a little bit more in the Dallas game. But- yeah, a little, a little more. But I will say this about the Bucks game. I think the reason why we didn't see as much you know set plays is because at some point the Rockets figured out this is going to be a pretty straightforward game. You know, driving kick. If they're going to defend hard like that, shading towards the middle, it's going to be on everyone else to step up and hit those outside shots because they're going to be there. Jeff Green is going to be open. Tucker's going to be open. Ben McLemore is going to be open. So I think it became pretty simple in, in that aspect. And those guys got to hit shots. Like, that's something that's a little bit worrisome. I mean, Tucker— You won't survive, you won't survive if you go 21 for 41 for, or for 61 from three. No, I, I mean, not even that. I mean, like, uh, Tucker went two for three the first game. That's good. Next game, three for 12. Like, that's a bit rough, you know. Um, Covington's shooting 22%, you know, and he hit, he hit a big one in the Dallas game, but it's still kind of a struggle on that sense. You know, the, the guy we haven't even really talked about much is Harden, and he's, and he's struggling from three, shooting 28%, but he's getting to the line a ton, you know, doing what he does. And, you know, he's, he's killing an average in 36.5. Like, he's kind of just picked up where he left off with his scoring and things like that. So um, I'm going to be pretty interesting to see, pretty interested to see how this shakes out the rest of the way. These are two, these are big wins. Like it's a big win. I don't want to take anything away from, from the, the Rockets. I want to ask you this question though, about this, this big win against the Bucks more than anything else. Cause we kind of texted about it. 
Did you did you feel like we got the Bucks' best shot? I mean, I know they had Eric, Eric Bledsoe wasn't See, playing, but I don't yeah, feel like, like, I, like so but the, it's it's tricky. It's tricky because the Bucks are such a good team that someone like you that's paid extremely close attention to them can tell. I thought you were about to say paid extremely well, and I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on now. <laughs> I was like, yeah, wait, where's that going? <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. But 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 some you know a team like the Bucks that you've watched pretty closely, it's pretty easy for you to tell. If they're playing a notch below, you know what they should. And you pointed that out to me last night, and I kind of saw it for some points. Like the, the it, it didn't seem like the Bucks were were all that bothered. You know, they just it, it it felt like they just weren't as locked in as they normally were. Yeah, it, it it looked to me like the Rockets. Well, obviously they won that game more than the Bucks, but it just felt like the Bucks. I I don't know. I think the I think I think you could make an argument that the Bucks are just using these games to to get in shape. I don't think. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's their position. Well, I don't think they're threatened as far as losing. They're the, the, they're the number, the number one, one seed in the East. Yeah. And, 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 and it's not like they got to worry but about. But the Rockets put a great game. Like they, yeah. they, they understood that they, they had to come in and, and make a statement for themselves, really, if not, you know, anyone else. But yeah. And I think they did. And, and part of it too is I think the Rockets also, you got to credit their defense here a little bit in terms of. How it kind of might have taken the the, yeah, great, the, the yeah. Bucks out yeah. of their rhythm there a bit. This was night a night and day performance in terms of defense. I was texting you during the Dallas game too. Their defense during the Dallas game was atrocious until the last <laughs> minute and yeah. overtime. Like oh, yeah, until they realized that there was a game going on. Yeah, like to- but like the the first forty seven minutes was terrible defense, and and you know it only worked out for them because. The Dallas Mavericks also happen to play terrible defense, so <laughs> they're able to keep up with the scoring. But like, man, like this, I was very pleasantly surprised in the Bucks game to see their defense kind of pick it up a notch. They were sharp on their rotations. They forced a ton of turnovers. You know, it was it was really interesting to see. I think the I think the turnovers thing for me is the most impressive because coming into the game, Milwaukee. I think they averaged right around 15 turnovers a game, which is kind of near the bottom 10 in the NBA, which is kind of weird. But, you know, and it's kind of, it's kind of how they play. They don't have the, the quickest side to side movement, but they do have quick active hands. They have, they're, they're attentive in the passing lanes. You know, according to cleaning the glass against the top 10 teams, they do, they force the third most turnovers on, on opponents possessions, which is 15.1%. That's a huge number. And the Bucks had 23 turnovers last night. And if you look at, how those turnovers came about, it's because, you know, guys are switching, guys are having their hands in the passing lanes and, and stripping balls away. But I think defensively for, for Houston, this was a big test for them in terms of their spirit, you know, their focus. Because down eight, you know, with three minutes to play, we could see this, and we've seen this a hundred times. The Rockets has hanged their head. Eight-point lead becomes, you know, 15 in the matter of seconds. You have to give them credit. It was a, it was a huge test for them because if they had lost the game, Obviously, you could have said, you know, it's the Bucks; they're the best team in the NBA. But the Rockets have something to prove in the bubble. I mean, and I, I, yeah, I mean, they're rolling. I mean, they look they looked good in this game. Like this was a game I felt pretty confident about. There is the one thing that just scares the crap out of me, Kelly. And you know what, what I'm going to say? It's the oh, rebounding. Yeah. They got out rebounded yeah, by 29. That, that rebound terrible. They got rebounded and, and, by 29. <laughs> like I've, I've, I think the Bucks turned out into 22 second chance points. I mean, I mean that kind of like negates that will kill you. That that, that negates the turnovers almost, you know. And you, you, you know that's the kind of stuff where like normally you get out rebounded by twenty nine, 
you don't win that game. So, you know, it, there's, there's a positive in that for that. They found a way to win. But, you know, they also got out-rebounded a ton against the, the Mavs. I think it was 10-plus. And, and, and that's fine in these games. But I'm worried come playoffs how that's going to come back to bite them because I don't know if you're going to play a team that's going to turn the ball over as much, you know, or if you're not as sharp defensively in a game. You know, it's, and, and this is a product of the size and things like that. Like, that's the kind of stuff that, that worries me a bit with this team and, and them going f- further in the playoffs. You know, I think they have the ability to get hot, knock down shots and get going. Like, we're, I think these guys are going to catch fire. I'm not, I'm not worried about the shooting. It's the rebounding and, and, and what that kind of does. Because there were possessions where the Bucks would have three or four chances at it. You know, and that's that's deflating. And you, you just will- and you just can't have that. Like it's not going to work. And I, I remember, I think even on that play to go up eight, that came out after a period of scrambling where the Rockets should have, you know, come away with the ball, but they didn't. And I wrote this today. Like if you were told me the Rockets played a game in which they were got out rebounded by thirty, they missed forty threes, and James struggled from the field, I would be asking you. They lost by 20 or 30. Like, it's just not normal. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous. So I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about that's something that they have to – you can't win a – you can't win playoff series getting out-rebounded by 10. You can have a, a – you can lose the rebounding battle, but by 10-plus, I think it just makes it really tough when we get into the playoffs. And that's going to be a big concern. But, you know, the one positive thing, I was looking at the standings this morning. These two wins – it got them out of the sixth spot, has them fourth right now. I'm, I'm just asking you, do you think that's just like they should just just stay at four, stay at four and five right now? You know, do you think that's the smart player? Who's fifth right now, Utah? Utah. You know, I mean, it's kind of hard to say that because the, the Thunder haven't played their game if they play their, the Rockets will go back to fifth. But but even then, even then, just four or five puts you in the Lakers oh, bracket. In, in the Lakers bracket. And keeps okay. you away from the – because I don't think you want to play the Clippers till the conference no. finals. Right. You're going to have to go through both L.A. teams to get to the finals. That's – unless something crazy happens, right? But, like, I would – you know, I've said it many times, and I still believe it. They'd rather play the Lakers than the, the Clippers. I know the Lakers have all that size. I wouldn't pick them in the series against the Lakers – but I think they'd have a better chance just because of the difference of styles. They have a chance to kind of really mess things, mess things up for the Lakers. I'll be very interested to see how the next few games go to just try to keep that uh, try to keep that four or five stuff. There's a lot of variables to it. Yeah, there's a lot of variables, but um, I want to ask something before I forget. So earlier in the year, I think it was right after they went small. It might have been after the, Maver- the first Mavericks game where they got killed on the glass, but they still won the game. Somebody asked Mike, I think it was me, I asked Mike, how do you balance that battle going forward because, you know, giving blood or rebounds? But he said that as long as you, you aren't turning those rebounds into second-chance points, they can be a rebound about 30 for all he cared. But I wonder for you, how do you – I think it's kind of a dangerous thing to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, um, Especially in terms of – how they're getting these offensive rebounds and second chances, you know, because like the Bucks, at some point last night, there was nothing of James Harden's post defense or anybody. It was just turn and duck. Like Robin Lopez had very little resistance at some point uh, on the paint. Giannis, Chris Milton had 12 rebounds of his own. So how they do that going forward, because that's a slippery slope. 
I mean, it's it starts with all five guys got to be on the glass, and, and and the term is gang rebound. Here's the thing, like on offense, normal teams, and, and, and this changes per team, so don't anybody come at me, but usually after a shot goes up, they're sending two guys back, right? So maybe even three. So at most, you have two or three guys crashing the offensive glass. And so in theory, the defense should outnumber them, you know, five to three to even cases five to two. Uh, and you know, that what, what tends to happen, sometimes guys leak out. Some guys are, you know, somebody's contesting the shot. So it's tough for them to get back in the play and things like that. But it has to be a focal point that all five guys have to rebound, you know, sometimes, and this happens with teams with big guys too, you know, where look, if, if the big guy doesn't get the rebound, the team's not getting the rebound, you know, cause the guards aren't, aren't good rebounders. So this, this is just an across the board thing. And I think that's something they, they probably need to get back to. And sometimes some of these offensive rebounds were Giannis misses a layup and he's right there to get the tip in, you know, and, and, and that's a difficult thing to stop and whatnot. But I think it's just a more concerted effort to get there. I don't think there's going to be a lot of games where they're going to have the rebounding edge. I just think they need to find a way to keep that a, a reasonable thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like the biggest thing is if they're going to lose the battle anyway, they can't get obliterated. Yeah, it can't just they gotta, be they like... Keep it somewhat competitive. Because then it's just like when you give up so many more field goal attempts, you have to be shooting an unbelievable field goal attempt on your end. And that's kind of the thing. So like you can get away with that if you're shooting 50% from three. But, you know, when was the last time the Rockets did that for an entire game, you know, as a team? <laughs> so I think that's the that's kind of the balance there. And I think that's something they have to figure out and find a just find a way to, to you just can't get crushed on the offensive glass. Because if I'm a team right now, I might even say like, hey, one <clears> of <throat> the Rockets, I want three guys, even four guys crashing the glass. Like, let's just get the rebound and get extra chances, you know. And and, and that's risky because, you know, that opens up transition opportunities should the Rockets get it, especially if Russ gets it, right, because Russ is gone if he if he sees the opportunity. But, you know, there, there are times where you can take advantage of that. So I think that's something that the Rockets have to be mindful of going forward. We got They got two big games. They're going to play the Trailblazers on Tuesday who – Tuesday who badly need that win? I don't. They're. They're. I think they're gonna lose that game. I think if 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 this is the rocket season that we know, they'll lose that game to Portland. Well, right. it'll, it'll be interesting to see, just because I think, you know, it's a the the advantage for Houston is they don't have a lot of great perimeter defenders, and that makes it hard to guard James. That makes it hard to guard Russ. You know that. They're big, though. I think Yusuf Nurkic is showing he's he's pretty solid. Uh, he's reminding people how good he is. Uh, right. and, and, and I think they have a lot of size. They have Zach Collins, so they start big. Then off the bench, they bring Hassan Whiteside. So they have size. I just don't know if they have the perimeter defense. And that's where I think the Rockets can take advantage of them. And then they got the big game against the Lakers coming up. So you, what are your... Your thoughts. That game's on Thursday, by the way. So, what are your thoughts? We we're already both zero and one in our predictions. So, are we going to go one and one? Or are we going zero and two? What do you think of well, these two I'm games? Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say they go screw it two and zero. Why not? You're going two and zero. I think they're going one and one. I think they beat the Blazers in a close game. I think that game's gonna. I be think really they tight. lose the Blazers and beat the Lakers. I'm, I'm you just big. said they're going two and zero. Okay. Well, I think they beat the Blazers. 
No, no, no. Okay, one on one. I think they will beat the Lakers but lose to the Blazers. Okay, and I have it the other way around. By the yeah. way, your math skills phenomenal. Um, <laughs> school for economics. <laughs> you just told me you studied economics in college. I, I, it's amazing. You're a writer. I'm not. <laughs> hey, but but I, I will say this though. Um, I gotta give a shout out to to Kenny Ellis. He for those who don't know, Kenny Ellis is Daniel House's trainer, and him and I talk all the time of just stuff that he's been doing with Daniel House. And you can see it on the court because it's very rare that we see NBA trainers actually work on skills that are applicable in the game. Daniel House has played tremendously in these two games uh, as a starter. The most impressive thing about his game is that he's he's done as well to pick his spots. He's not forcing the issue as much. Uh, he's just trying to be a fill-in for a team that has, you know, two extremely high guys that use the ball with James and Russ. You need that guy like Daniel House who's going to, take away some of the pressure while also being able to, you know, hit his shots, be aggressive, be a defender. He actually defended Giannis and Chris pretty well last night for, for the times he was on them. But I just think he's playing really well. You have to give a lot of credit to, to Kenny for the work he's done over the summer and during the hiatus. Yeah, and House is killing it, shooting 50% from three. He's the third leading scorer at 18 points a night. He's doing a really good job. So uh, good shout out there. For Kelly Eco, for Mike Smeltz, for me, Mo DeKeel, we out.